We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. ...of that gift. So make up in your mind right now, I am not going to do that. Romans chapter 12, 10 said, be devoted to one another in love. That's the second half of this verse we're looking at today. Be devoted to one another in love. The word for love here is not a love that is often celebrated by the world. There aren't very many movies about this kind of love. There are not usually that many books that celebrate this kind of love. There are definitely not a lot of songs playing on the radio station about this kind of love. The word for love here is Philadelphia, and it means the love of a brother or a sister. That's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. All right, Philadelphia means the love of a person that is family, person that is brother or sister. The word Philadelphia means to cherish someone like they were a family member. This even holds more meaning when we understand that the family of God goes beyond your human DNA and, and family name to learn how to love. Because when you're part of the family God, that's not about your human DNA. It's not about your family tree. Learn to cherish one another as a child of God. Learn to love and cherish them as a child of God, your brother and sister in the Lord. Husbands and wives, married couples, you should have a romantic love, but you should also cherish one another as children of God also. Your spouse's highest calling is actually to be a child of God. Their second highest calling is to be your partner. Their third highest calling is to be a parent to the children. But that first highest calling that your spouse has is to be a child of God. Love that. Embrace it. Hold that up. Celebrate it. Singles who want to one day get married, y'all listen to me, singles, you must view your prospective partner as a child of God. (laughs) There aren't that many in the dating world out on Tinder right now thinking such thoughts, right? Nobody's thinking that way. No, they're like, oh my gosh, this person is so hot. That's what they're thinking, right? That's, no, no one. Can we get real for a second? That's what the whole world thinks about. They think about how this person looks. They think about how much money, money they got in the bank. These are the things. But I'm telling you, singles that belong to God, you need to view the person, the perspective, Mr. or Mrs. in your life, you need to view them primarily as a child of God. Look at them as a brother and sister in the Lord. Before you are married, you are to treat them as a brother or sister only. Not beyond that. Brother or sister, all right? You are not going to get in trouble in sinful areas if you will treat the person you're dating like a brother and sister in the Lord. Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. My gosh, that's good preaching. Not going to get that just everywhere. I'm telling you, some people run away from this this kind of thought. No, you need to treat each other 
in Philadelphia. This is pleasing to the Lord. And this is honoring to your marriage covenant. In a world that is infatuated with sexuality, become infatuated with your partner's spirituality. Become infatuated with, 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 with a woman who knows her Bible. Can I tell you, a woman who knows your Bible, that's a rare beauty right there. A woman who prays, oh, that's a keeper right there. A man who has godly women, uh, God, godly wisdom, let me say it right. A man who has godly wisdom, say that right. Let me tell you, you don't just want a man with godly wisdom in your bed. You want him in your life. You don't just want his body. You want his mind. You want his heart. You want his soul. A man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate both day and night. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. That's a keeper right there. That's who you ought to be looking after. That is a man to build a life with. That is a man who will love you, not just when things are best, but they will love you forever with a godly, wise love. Clap your hands if you know it's true. The world wants you to go after what is best right now. And that kind of love is cheap. And that kind of love is not love really at all. Go after instead what is blessed. What is blessed, go after that. Find someone you want to bless and who also wants to bless you. And you find that person, you marry that person. And you go to church with that person. And you have children with that person. And you raise a whole new generation that sees a life of blessing in love. The mutual blessing of love. The world has another lesson that we need to unlearn. The world teaches us this. Love is a competition. Love is a competition. Maybe you don't believe me. Well, I'll try to prove it to you. The world gives us this idea that we need to compete to earn love. Every dating reality show has taught us that you must be hot if you're going to win the rose. And they're all over there. They're spending hours trying to get ready to go show off for this guy. Right? And they're talking bad about all the other ladies. And it's a, you got to be the hottest. And, oh, I won a rose. Now I'm, I'm crying. Actually, I'm so fulfilled that I've won this rose. Am I telling the truth? Oh, my gosh. You don't think that's our culture? That's exactly where we are, right? Mm. One way or another, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another. I'm going to find you. All right. The, the Blondie song, right, taught us that love is a competition. And to win, you must give an unstoppable effort to get them. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to win you. I, I will drive by your house at night because I'm a little crazy. That's all in that song. That's all in that song. That's, I mean, unstoppable effort. I'm telling you like Super Bowl effort to find someone and I'm not going to let them get away from us. Does that sound like love? Does that sound, 
beautiful? Does that sound beautiful? Does that sound a little psychotic? The world is filled with psychos. They're all on Tinder. Get off Tinder. The world teaches us that love is a competition to gain the trophy. Have you ever heard a spouse called a trophy wife or a trophy husband? It also teaches us to compete within the relationship. Have you ever seen people compete within the relationship? We have seen husband and wife compete. We have seen children and parent compete. We have seen friends fight each other from within the relationship. The world teaches us to compete, to score higher, to win greater, and to be crowned champion even within the relationship. So get this. The couple meets at a nightclub, and they compete to end up with each other at the end of the night. Oh, it's absolutely a competition at these places, right? It's a competition. And so they end up with each other at the end of the night, and they begin to date and continue to compete with their differences because they, you know, people have differences, and now they're competing with their differences to gain superiority in the relationship. And every argument has a foothold in, well, you did this, so now it's okay that I do this. This happens, it happens. Y'all look at me like this doesn't happen, and y'all all know it's happening. Don't look at me like I'm crazy, Marshall. If they date long enough, they will, they will compete to go all the way and actually get married. So now they're married. In marriage, they may compete by manipulating one, each other, one another. They manipulate each other with their time and what they say and what they spend money on. And they'll find secret ways to kind of get around the rules. And it's manipulation. It's a competition to get what they want because what they want is best. And, and then if that's not enough, in divorce, they will compete to see who gets the most in the settlement. From start to finish of their relationship, it was built on competition and an endless string of one-upmanship. That's, that's what the world is teaching us. It teaches us that love is a competition. God teaches us a different lesson. God teaches us, and I have a little blank here. I want you to kind of try to guess with this. Love is a, love is a, there, there are a lot of good words we can put in this blank, right? Absolutely. I thought love is a collaboration at one point. Actually, I had that written down in a second, and. I then went, oh, maybe love is a cooperation, right? Uh, and this is all true and good. There, there's several other things I thought, but, but let's, love is a soulmate. Love is, love is a feeling. There's, oh, well, that's not so much a, a godly idea. <laughs> love is a battlefield. I think that might be in my notes later. All right, let's look back at our text. Verse 10, Romans 12. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourself. After considering the words in the scripture, but also because I like to preach confusing points, I decided to go with this. God teaches us love is a competition. Are you confused yet? What? All right. I'm glad to confuse somebody. All right. So isn't that what the world taught? Yeah, it is. It's what, so what are you going? Pastor's lost it. I knew it. 
I, some of y'all are like, I, he lost it a long time ago, actually. You know, you know. The world teaches us that love is a competition to be hotter, to get your way, to be above in getting. It is a competition to receive greater, but God's competition is different. Once more time, look at verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. The English Standard Version reads this way. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. You see where I'm going yet? It is a competition of sorts. A competition seeks to outdo the competitor, right? Yet while the world seeks to outdo you in achieving greater honor, God teaches us to outdo one another in giving honor. So love is this kind of competition. The world's idea of competition is to gain more honor, even if it means dishonoring the competition. We've, we've seen people try to gain honor by dishonor, right? The football player who high steps into the end zone is not just gaining honor, but he's also dishonoring the competition. The social media argument that dissolves into name calling is not just about winning the battle of ideas anymore, but seeking to dishonor those with different ideas. And the coworker with their sights on the promotion will often try to gain honor by throwing you under the bus and doing it right in the middle of the meeting with the regional manager. These examples are not love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love does not dishonor others. Doesn't dishonor others. So get this. The world teaches that love is a competition of dishonor. It's a competition of dishonor. God's lesson on how to love includes a competition of honor. Love is a competition of honor. What would your relationship look like if you did not dishonor each other? Not even in joking. You, you, you wouldn't do anything to dishonor. What would your relationship look like? And yet, what would your relationship look like if you competed with one another to outdo one another in showing honor to one another? What would your relationship look like then? To outdo someone in giving honor, you must stop trying to only honor yourself. You must stop thinking only about yourself and start thinking of others. Verse 10, we'll throw it back up here. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. The verse does not tell us to dishonor ourselves. Understand this? The verse does not tell you that you need to honor them more by dishonoring yourself. But it actually tells you to honor them above yourself. So you aren't dishonoring yourself. You still have honor. But you are honoring them above yourself. See, some of us, it's hard for for the world to even grasp this idea that in order to honor someone else, it must mean that I'm dishonored. No, that's not what this is about at all. It's to honor them with more of a sight on them receiving honor than you receiving the honor. To outdo someone in giving honor. If you cannot honor a person 
then you do not love that person. If you can't honor someone, that's a person that you have trouble loving. Who is that person that you have trouble honoring? Whoever they are, get them in your head and realize that you have a love problem there. Now listen, you're going to be tempted to say, but Pastor Chris, they have this problem. And you've got, you, you pull out this notebook and it goes, <laughs> all this list of problems they have. They absolutely, I'm not even going to argue with you. They have all those problems in spades. You probably missed five of them. But don't forget, you have a problem. You have a problem honoring them. And it's because you have a problem loving them. That is a person you have trouble, difficulty, loving. And that is something God wants you to change. Perhaps you don't want to honor them because they will think they have won. I can't do that. If I give them a compliment, they'll think they're right. Can't do that. If I, if I gave them a gift that would only encourage them, can't be doing that. They will think they have won. Can't do that. If this is in your mind and your heart, then you are in the wrong competition. You're in the competition of dishonor. Get in the competition of honor. You are participating in the world's competition where you seek to gain honor by stomping on the head of your opponent. Instead, love should always be you have one. That should be at the bottom line. The basic center of your love is that you have one. You have my honor. With my own mouth, I will speak out loud honors all for you. I'll say it publicly. Some of us need to work on that. Sometimes we can uh, give people honor, but only privately. Learn how to give people honor in front of other people. Do it. Do it publicly in front of others just to honor them in front of others. Do it. Love honors above others, above yourself. That's what love does. Love honors others above yourself. And if we love each other, our only competition will be an effort to outdo one another in giving honor. And this is what Paul's teaching us in Romans 12. In love, we must honor one another and do it above ourselves. When was the last time you pulled a, you have one? In your marriage. Not a passive aggressive. Argument ender. Well you always get your way. I love you honey. Not that. Not that. No. No you have won. Your idea wins. Your idea wins. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind your dream. I'm 100% behind your idea. You know I married a smart person. You've won. You've won and really I've won. Because I get to go home. When was the last time you pulled a you have won in your marriage? Parents, when was the last time you honored your children? Honor your children. And, and honored one another in front of your children. Parents, when have you honored one another in front of your children? Let them see it. Let them see it. Let honor be everywhere in your home. And every person in your house, you're honoring them above yourself. Honoring them above yourself. God has given us lessons on how to love, but God has given us 
something even better. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. We're coming to a close. More than a lesson, God has given a demonstration. The greatest demonstration of love is Jesus on the cross. If you want to know how to love, you need to look at Jesus on the cross. So for these closing moments, let's take what we've taught, let's compare it to Jesus on the cross. If he is the greatest demonstration of love, all of this will work out. What do you say? Here's a reminder. The world teaches us that love is best. Jesus on the cross refused what was best for him. Could have called the angels to take him down from there. That would have been best for him. He refused it. He could have denied who he was and not had to face that cross. It would have been best for him. He could have taken that, that, that drink that would have deadened some of the pain. That would have been best for him. But here is the demonstration of love that Jesus Christ refused what was best for him. He took what was worse for him. Why? Because it's best for you. The strikes from the whip, they were for your healing. It was best for you. The blood and the water that poured from his side, they were for your forgiveness. It was best for you. His death was that you could live. It was best for you. Jesus chose what was blessed over what was best. So remember, God teaches us love is blessed. Let's compare that to the cross. Jesus blessed you from the cross. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He demonstrated his love for you. You are loved by Jesus and you are blessed by Jesus on the cross. Will you mutually love him back? Remember, love's not a one-way road. So will you mutually love Jesus Christ back tonight? Will you bless him back in these next moments? Will you seek to choose what is blessed over what is best? You're what you think is best might be you getting out of here a little earlier so you can go to the grocery store and get ready for tomorrow. That might be what's best for you, but it's not what's blessed for you. Over the next few moments when we pray, can you pray to a God who blessed you on the cross and can you seek to bless him back in mutual love and affection? Let's get to that other world lesson. The world taught us that love is a competition of dishonor. Remember, Jesus on the cross is the greatest demonstration of love. So did Jesus dishonor anyone from the cross? Anyone. Can you find one? Can you find one snide comment that he made? Did he ever lift up his voice or his fist against those that were harming him? No, God demonstrated his love by honoring us from the cross. That's why love is a competition of honor. And that's what the Lord teaches us. He wore a crown of thorns. It was a crown of dishonor so that we could be crowned with glory and honor. 
the scripture says. 1 Peter 5 and 4. And when the great shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. That's why he took those crown of, of dishonor. He received dishonor on the cross. We could go bullet point down that list of all the dishonor he took upon that cross. But he was not concerned with that dishonor. He was focused on your honor. On the cross, Jesus did not say, well, they'll think they have won. Instead, he said, you have won. That was his message on the cross for you. You have won. Honoring someone says, you have won. And this is exactly what Jesus demonstrated on the cross. Jesus declares, you have won through his love. He has honored you above himself. He loves you. There were two thieves on that on the crosses beside him. Neither of him, neither of them did he dishonor. In fact, he did his best to honor both of them. And one of them, he looked at him. And in honor, he said to this man that not a single person would have honored. And he said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Yes, you can come into my kingdom. That is a loving God who honors. Will you honor him today? What would happen? What would this church look like in this room? If for the next 10 minutes we tried to outdo Jesus in giving on. What would it look like if we tried to outdo him in blessing him. And outdo him in honoring him. Jesus has revealed to us how to love. The person you're having difficulty loving, Jesus loved them on the cross. He blessed them on the cross and he has honored them on the cross. God is demonstrating to you how to love that person. Jesus honors that person. So will you honor that person? Jesus blesses that person. Will you learn how to bless that person? As we prepare our hearts to talk to God, let us all read again his word. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Will you read it out loud with me? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Jesus, you're devoted to me. Jesus. You bless me. Jesus, you honor me. Jesus, I want to devote to you. I want to honor you. I want to bless you. These altars are open right now. If you want special prayer in this place, come to the first two feet. We will pray with you. We believe that God will meet your need. We believe a miracle can happen for you. I'm going to pray right now for everybody listening, watching online, everybody. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.